Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. <laughs> Take just a moment before I start preaching uh, and praying today, 9-11, uh, 21 years ago, most, one of the most devastating things happening on American soil, and I want to pray for the families and survivors today, knowing that, uh, you know, after that many years, sometimes we lose sight of the fact that these people will live with that moment for the rest of their lives, and we want to ask God to strengthen them and give them peace. So if you join with me, Father, we pray for all of the families and survivors of this great tragedy on our soil 21 years ago. Lord, I pray for their peace, their strength, courage, Father God, to continue to live the life that the ones they lost would want them to live and the ones that you paid for them to live. So, Lord, we ask you to bring that strength and peace into their lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, very important that we never forget, and these families uh, live with this day in and day out, and on this day, we know that many of them will struggle like no other day during uh, the year. Also, uh, today is the first time that we have done an official membership Sunday uh, as Mosaic Church. And uh, membership is, is a unique thing in that it is a relationship as much as it's membership. In other words, we can provide service for you, worship, preaching of the word, children's ministry, and so on and so forth. We can do that, uh, but that's us to you. But when it becomes your church, then it becomes from membership, it becomes a relationship where now not only are we as leaders uh, giving something to you, but as members, this becomes your church, and the hope would be that you would take it and that take it in that vein and say, "We want to give something to this house or to this church." Um, it's always been interesting to me. Uh, this is the second and last church I will ever start in the name of Jesus, <laughs> and so. Um, but every time you start a church, and anybody who's ever pioneered churches will tell you uh, that when you, you have a rented location, you rent it one day a week, it's kind of like dating. You're really not committed. You all just get together and have a good time. And uh, so I remember starting in the school, the first church, and, and uh, it, we were having a great time. And, and the minute we got a building that was ours, there were like people that didn't show up. And I guess they didn't want to get married. You know, I mean, it was like, okay, we're the same people, the same church. But the difference was commitment. And they were committed to attending, but they were not committed to serving that house because we didn't have a house. We were just meeting in a school. In Noah's, when we left Noah's to come here uh, nearly uh, five and a half years ago, um, you know, there were people that didn't make the journey. And it wasn't because of the drive. A lot of it was, we just liked showing up, having fun, leaving, and, you know, there was no relationship uh, to speak of except on Sundays. Well, now, you know, we have this seven days a week, and we have things going on here, and, uh, you know, so it, it is important, I believe, uh, to uh, determine if this, you know, this is something you want to do. You don't have to do this, but it helps us to better serve you. 
we have a lot of people that ask us to use the building. We've done funerals for people that didn't have church homes um, just to try to serve our community. But as a growing church, uh, members become the priority. And uh, if there's anything we can do, we don't have your information. We don't know who you are. It's difficult for us to make that decision. Well, how do we do this? Do they attend? Do they serve? Do they, all these things. And so it helps us to know you. And so when you call or you need something, and uh, we, we know who you are. So if you want to become a member today, what we're going to do is I'm going to have the ushers give you, hand you these cards that I'd ask you to fill out. And after this service, we'll do a, just a, a little reception where you can come and uh, I'm going to just spend five minutes literally answering questions, sharing with you what this looks like and what the next step is uh, if you would so desire to take that step. So if you say, you know what, I've been coming for five years, I'd like to get married. <laughs> well, not really, you know, I mean, this is not Solomon going on in here. Anyway, so if you want a card, it helps us. We'll put you in, in our data and we'll make sure you, you're on every list that we have. So if you'd like to say today, I want to make this official, that Mosaic Church, Oklahoma City is my home church. Would you lift your hand, and we'll have an usher put cards in your hands. If you just lift your hands, please, uh, just lift them up, and we're just going to hand those to you. You can fill them out down over here, over here, back over here, uh, and, and, and just fill those out, and, and after the service, on your way out, you can either put those in the bucket or just come to the reception and uh, meet me there, and I'll receive them. We had quite a few at 930, and and I was sure that we would have a lot more at 11, and we do. Um, we are so excited that you have decided to do this. Now, it won't change me because I will still be the one that makes you mad every now and then. And, uh, and you know, that's just the way it works. You know, I, I, every preacher in town says stuff that kind of irritates people or rubs them the wrong way, and I join those ranks. Uh, but uh, when we get in a relationship, you look and say, you know, he's just being Pastor Mark, and that's what happens every now and then. But I love you. We welcome you to Mosaic Church. All right. Let's uh, stand and hold our Bibles up. Welcome all of you watching online. You guys are a little slow today, I got to tell you right now. It's all right. I love you. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Our youth class starts today. It's going on right now. If you're a teenager and want to go, uh, please feel free to step out and go back and see what's going on. I know they have food, which I wanted to go, but I had to preach. Uh, so they have some fun stuff going on. But it, today is the kickoff, and uh, if you know anyone that has a teenager, you can now tell them we offer that class at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings. I will continue the series on the levels of faith or levels of our walk with God. Uh, really had a hard time trying to title it because I didn't want anyone to feel like, you know, that you're stuck on a level you don't want to be stuck on. But then as a pastor, I wanted you to know if you were stuck at that level. And uh, in uh, Ezekiel chapter 47, I'm not going to read it, but he had a vision and God walked him through the temple and the water was flowing out of the temple in different directions. In one direction, the Bible says it was ankle deep and then another, it was knee deep and then it was waist deep 
and then it was in over their head. And uh, the idea behind this was that there are people today that dabble in God or dabble in the idea of God. In other words, there's an interest, and I'm not being judgmental, but I'm saying there are people that are afraid for one reason or the other. Maybe they were hurt in church or they grew up in a very legalistic church and they could never be good enough. They were never going to go to heaven, but they really loved God, but they didn't really like church because church oftentimes misrepresents God. In other words, we, we've seen God presented as this mean ogre that maybe you'll go to heaven, maybe you won't. You, you, know, you can't ever do anything right. You're all, and, and I'm not trying to be mean, but I grew up in a church. That they didn't mean that to be bad, but the idea was if we could keep Mark scared enough, maybe we'll keep him in the pews. And a lot of times people come to church out of fear, not out of faith. And we know that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind. And so the first level, that ankle deep level, are people that really, that what I call seekers. It's kind of a, a pleasure level. It's that dating level. We're not really committed to each other. The church can't be committed to you because you don't know who you are. And you're not committed to the church because nobody knows who you are. And so we don't really have a relationship. We're glad you're here. We're thrilled that you're seeking, you're looking, you're wanting God. We're thrilled with that. But God has more for you than that. And the reason a lot of people fade after a, a season of seeking, if you will, is because there is no connection. And where there is no connection, there is no relationship. And where there is no relationship, we lose heart. And so the idea is in church, in every church, is to draw people in, not for the sake of numbers, but for the sake of, of the people. You count, and we want you to feel counted and loved. The second level, which is what I call the pressure level, or you have seekers, and this is the squeeze level. This is where you begin coming, and you get to know a few people. And those people begin to ask you three weeks when you hadn't been there for three weeks, you come in, and sometimes they may not come off as nice. The question is, where have you been? In other words, we're going to squeeze you a little bit because we want to know. We want you to know we haven't seen you. And and sometimes you get mad, and then there are people who love it because they know they were missed. And then there are some people who don't want to be missed. They're secret agents for Jesus. And so you don't want anybody asking you where you've been, you know, how dare you? But that's that squeeze level where we get to know you enough to where we can say things to you because we care about you. And I use the example of this little 12-year-old boy or this little boy with five loaves, two fishes, and, and Jesus is, the people are on the mountainside. They've been listening to Jesus. They're hungry. He tells the disciples to go find food. Well, they go to this little boy, and I can't imagine the conversation, and I hope someday when I get to heaven, that's one of the things I'm going to ask Jesus, can I meet the kid with the five loaves and two fishes? I want to know what his thoughts were when these disciples came up and said, give us your bread. And, uh, but they squeezed him. He did, they didn't, they knew kind of who he was. They knew where, you know, this, this region of the country. But, but all of a sudden, they started establishing a relationship, and the little boy offered him up. We know that, that as a return from God, everybody ate, and he got 12 baskets. He got a lot more. And that's what happens when somebody begins to squeeze you. They're going to make you somebody that you're not going to be without them. 
And we all need that squeeze. We all need that. You can call it accountability or whatever you want, but the reality is when somebody squeezes us a little bit, it causes us to realize what's in us and what's not in us. And so if somebody, you don't have somebody in your life that is putting a little pressure on you and squeezing you, this is that knee deep here, then you're probably never going to elevate to the place that God would have you elevate. We're better together than we are apart. And then the third level is the pull level or the servant level. This is where you've passed through. You're no longer just seeking. You're not just here for pleasure or pressure, but you're here because you feel pulled by the love and the need of the house. And so this is where you become a servant, not just a worshiper, not just an attender, not just someone who comes to hear the word, but now all of a sudden, I want to do something for the house. We're in relationship. And I want to do something for God's house and God's kingdom. This is where the fulfillment of Christianity begins. I can tell you right now, people who don't get involved, not everybody, but for the most part, people who don't get engaged in church never get married to the church. If you don't first get engaged, you never fully give yourself to the house or to God's kingdom. And so, the, and I, again, there's no judgment here. There probably is a little squeeze going on and a little pull happening. But the reality is the reason we do this is because there's so much in you that God has put in you that you have to offer to his kingdom and his church that some of you don't even know. I didn't know when I got born again. The only reason I got born again is I didn't want to go to hell. I wasn't like, oh, I just want to fall in love with Jesus. No, I was, I was on the fast track to hell, and I thought, I don't want to go to hell. Then when I got around people in the church, I, I was just kind of dabbling, and I was like, it was so good to be free from my sin. I was pleasure. It was a pleasure. Then all of a sudden, they started squeezing me. Man, we missed you last week. Where have you been? What's going on? And, and only this was real religion. They'd get mad at you. They'd look at you and say, well, you know you're going to hell, don't you? And I thought, I don't want to go to hell. That was how I got squeezed. It wasn't like we think you. But then all of a sudden there was that pull. And I realized that was when God began to deal with me that, that there was more to my life than I knew. And there was more for me to do than I knew. And that I believe it's the same for all of us. Now, we're going to this last level. It's called the power level. Now, this is the level of surrender and sacrifice. When you are surrendered to God, your sacrifice is no longer a pain. Because you're surrendered to a power that is way above you. And so this is that level. I've heard people say, man, I wish I could hear God. I want to feel the power of God. How do I get there? This is how you get there. You surrender all to God. That old song, I surrender all, I surrender all. You know, most people sing, I surrender some, I surrender some. (laughs) You know, I'm not surrendering all, I'm not giving up all of my life and my power and all that. No, you got to give up your power to get his power. And so every one of you has potential. It's, it's kind of like a lamp. Uh, you know, you can have a beautiful lamp, that, that, a floor lamp. It's got a bulb in it. It's got a shade on it. It's got a, a cord on it. It has all the possibility of lighting up a room. But until that lamp cord is plugged into an electrical outlet, it never fulfills the function for which it was produced. Until you plug in, to the power of God, you can, be, you can be a Christian, you can be everything and have everything that you need to go to heaven, but you'll never be a light shining in the darkness of this world. 
until you plug in. And so, again, don't feel condemnation, but certainly feel a little irritation. Because the reality is that we are the church. I'm not the church. Jesse's not the church. The people volunteering today are not the church. We are the church, all of us. And that means that we all have a role to play in the church. If you grew up in a home like I grew up in, as a six-year-old, that was not my dad's house. That was not my mom's house. It was me and my two brothers' house as well. You know what that means, don't you? That means if it's your house, you're doing some dishes. You're mowing some lawn. Now, at six years old, I didn't look, Dad, is it, can I cut the grass again this week? I can't wait till it grows. No. It was like, oh, my goodness, it's Saturday again. I get behind that 13-inch that cut lawn boy. You know, now they've got like 85-inch blades. You know, some people sitting in a, a little subdivision on a zero radius. It's two swipes, and it's gone. No, I'm pushing a lawn boy with a 13-inch cut on one acre. Why? Because it was our house. Wasn't my dad's house. Wasn't my mama's house. It was our house. And in our house, everybody pitched in. My dad said, you're going to live here, you're going to do something. Yeah, about 10%. That's pretty good. 90% going, it's about done, yeah. No, listen. Here, here's the reality. I've always been intrigued by people who say, I don't have time. So it's all of a sudden like those people to me, I look and I go, oh, so you only have 15 hours in a day instead of 24, like the rest of us. You always find the time to do the things you really want to do. Don't ever forget those words. I had a guy call me on that one time. I said, man, I, I've been really wanting to get with you. We hadn't seen him, each other in a while, and I ran into him, and I said, man, I've been, I've been really wanting to see you. He said, no, you haven't. He said, because if you've been wanting to see me, you would have made a call before now. And I went, well, okay, so I'm a liar. Man, I was a liar. I wasn't trying to be a liar. I was just lying. Because he was right. If I really wanted to see him, I could have called him up and had lunch in 10 minutes. So don't be saying, well, I've been wanting to see you, liar. <laughs> see, we lie to ourselves. We don't want to, but we lie to ourselves. And if we lie to ourselves, we're going to lie to everybody else. I love my church. Well, yeah, you were here at Easter. <laughs> Looking forward to Christmas. We'll see you again. Man, you tell your wife you ain't coming home for about six months, she'll change the locks and everything else. Not a bad idea. I've always, as a pastor, always wanted to lock the doors on Sunday and put a sign, rapture occurred, sorry you missed it. <laughs> just, yeah, I, mean, I'm just, I just think that way. I'm a little ornery. But, but how many people wouldn't even know? We, we, came, we came in April. Where are you now? We're in heaven, knucklehead. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. I really am. But, but this is the last sermon in this series, so I've just got to really finish strong. 
So when you're, when you're going into the deep, people say, well, I don't want to get in over my head. Yeah, you do. Listen to this. But now this is what the Lord says, Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by, by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. God says, whatever you're going through, whatever you're committed to, I'm not going to let that, I'm not going to let you drown. I'm going to hold you up. But now you can't touch bottom. You're, you're in over your head. This is what true Christianity and the power of God comes when we die to self. Paul said, I die daily. What he's saying is, I no longer exercise my own will. There are people that God will tell you to reach out to that you don't even like. Trust me. There are many people, God said, now I want you to go, and I want to, I don't like them. God said, well, I do. <laughs> go over and talk to them. Go reach out to them. Go love on them. But God, they were mean to me. God doesn't care about that. God cares about you, and he cares about your obedience, and he cares about being sold out. You have been bought with a price. You and I don't belong to ourselves. Jesus bought us. And let me tell you what I found. I am so thankful that he bought me and paid for my, my sin, paid for my life, my skills, my gifts, my t- whatever it is, because now I trust him. Now, there are days I don't trust him. I wish I trusted him all the time. And I, any pastor would say, oh, I have full trust in God. You lie. Every one of us has that moment where we're going, where are you, God? Have you ever had one of those where are you, God moments? Like every day, where are you, God? Where have you been? And it's not that God gets offended by that. It's our human nature that's challenged by the sin nature to be influenced in a way that separates us from God. This is why we have to get in over our head and trust God. So one person said the greatness of a man or woman... The greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. You will only have as much power as you have surrendered to God. How much of you have you surrendered? How much of you have you given to God? Because once you surrender, you will sacrifice. You will make sacrifices to do things that God's called you to do. Things that God wants you to do. Things that are going to make you better. In Psalm 119, verse 18, it says, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all times. That is a sold-out verse. Uh, uh, Verses. It's sold out. The psalmist is saying, God, I am consumed I am in over my head. That's where God wants us, in over our head. I wrote this sometime back. Our Christian walk should be so united with God's Christian purpose that we no longer live a life of Christian preference, but one of Christian commitment. So I no longer just prefer God. I no longer just prefer the things of God. I no longer just prefer the church. I am committed because God is committed to me. God is committed to you. God is committed to us. So committed that he gave his only 
one and only, his begotten son, to die so that you and I could live. Jesus gave his life so we could live. That's commitment. It's like, you know, it's like the, the chicken and the pig. The pig's committed, not the chicken. Chicken's dropping an egg. The pig's giving his life. I mean, I guess you can, some of them, wouldn't it be funny? If I was going to be a chicken, I'd just want to be an egg layer. I would not want to be a Chick-fil-A chicken. <laughs> so how committed are you? Listen to this. This is a, quite a story. Forget about the concept and this is what our Congress, Senate, everybody needs. This would be great if we could implement this. Forget about the concept of a town hall meeting to decide public policy. How about this instead? In ancient Greece, to prevent idiotic statesmen from passing idiotic laws upon the people, lawmakers, legend has it, were asked to introduce all new laws while standing on a platform with a rope around their neck. If the law passed, the rope was removed. If it failed, the platform was removed. <laughs> now that, my friend, is commitment to what you believe in. We're not introduced. I, if I was a con, I wouldn't introduce one bill. I'd say we ain't introducing nothing. Because, man, if somebody, if you had, you know, 50, 60 congressmen that didn't like you, whatever it might be, whatever in the Senate, you're dead. They don't even care if you like it. You're just dead. Look, he, he pull it out from under him. But see, that's commitment. This says we might disagree on some things, but I am so sure and confident that what I'm about to introduce is worth my life. It's worth my life. 1 Corinthians 9, 16 out of the Living Bible and 17, for just preaching the gospel isn't any special credit to me, Paul says. I couldn't keep from preaching it if I wanted to. This is a guy in over his head. I would be utterly miserable. Woe unto me if I don't. If I were volunteering my services of my own free will, then the Lord would give me a special reward. But that is not the situation. For God has picked me out and given me this sacred trust, and I have no choice. This is someone who says, I'm no longer just seeking. Nobody has to squeeze me. I'm not just a servant. I am sold out, surrendered, and I will sacrifice my very life for the cause of Christ. Now, this is radical in a day where nobody has the right to disagree with you, to make you better. If you disagree with somebody based even on the Bible, you're a hater. And you know what? That's just wrong. I want somebody, I, 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 iron sharpens iron. If there's nobody in your life challenging your stupidity, you're in trouble. Challenging what's detrimental to your future and your life. You don't have a friend. Friends are not people who just always endorse you and support you. As a matter of fact, a real friend is someone who challenges you to be better than you are today so that your life will end the way you want it to end. 
And when I think about this, I think about people that have no regard uh, for, for God. They have no regard for others. They have no regard for authority. There's just no regard anymore. It's like say what you want, do what you want, feel what you want. And the reality is that, that it doesn't mean you don't get to go to heaven. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the challenge is how do you want to live on earth? See, the devil's got us so focused on heaven and hell that we lose sight of Jesus saying, be it done on earth as it is in heaven, that we have the opportunity to have a real living, breathing relationship with him right now. But we have to sell out. I'll never experience the power of God because I want to. I'll experience the power of God because I will to. I will to his will being done in my life. You don't get the power of God just because you're a Christian. It's like the lamp analogy. You're a lamp, but you're not plugged in. You're just interested. You're just kind of dabbling. You're seeking, but you're not really plugged in. And I ain't mad at you. I need you. Church needs you. God needs you. The kingdom needs you. But the reality is, if I don't preach this way, and I don't challenge you, I wouldn't recommend coming to this church. This is, I mean, I tell people, they ask, well, what's mosaic? I said, it's just a bunch of fragmented pieces of people, broken, put together to make a picture of God's glory. So if you're already a completed vase... The only way you can fit into mosaic is to go ahead and drop yourself and break. Because <laughs> there ain't one of us whole by ourselves. We're just a bunch of people that realize everybody that came in here today, you've already sinned all morning long. All of us, no, I don't know, we all have. And, you know, but we don't, we, don't dress, we don't dress it up around here. We just call it what it is. We all messed up. We're all broken, but that's what God loves. He's, he wants a broken, contrite heart after him that says, God, I need you. I trust you. I can't live without you. I can't live separate from your people. This is no game, baby. We're in war right now. There is spiritual warfare. And I got good news for you. We don't lose. We don't lose, and we won't lose. It may look like we're behind in the fourth quarter, but I'm telling you something. God is the ruler of all this, and it may look bad, but I'm telling you, we have a good God. Don't ever give up, give out, or give in. Don't do it. Be committed to him. Over the head, deep, fully engaged believers are moved by the power of God. Not intrigued by it, but moved by it. Not interested in it, but moved by it. I don't want to just go to heaven. I don't want to just say, well, you know, I'm going to live the way I want to go to heaven. No, I want to live a fully joyful life on earth. The greatest sins of, of ours that we, we don't even deal with that prevent us from this full life and power of God is the way we treat other people. And you know, most everybody wants to be nice, but there's just this genetic flaw that we have. If, if I, I have, I've told you before, one of my big goals in life, if, if somebody said, what is it you never want to do again? I never want to get mad again. I want to be the happy guy that somebody honks and flips me off. I just look and go, I'm number one. 
That's how happy I want to be. I don't want to get mad at people. Wouldn't that be awesome now that people will get mad at you because you don't get mad at them? It's like you fan the flame by being nice. We're no longer in control of our own destiny. We are no longer concerned with public opinion. And we no longer fear the approval of others. Man, when, you, when you're free, these are things that happen right here. You no longer have to deal with those things. You can be a happy person regardless. And, you know, there, there are religious people who say, well, you know, you don't need to be happy. What's happy? Happy is based on happen, happenings. Well, then I'm going to make things happen that make me happy. <laughs> we got one life to live, man. Don't live it with a scowl. Some of y'all hadn't smiled in so long. If you looked in the mirror, you wouldn't even know who that was. Some of y'all just need to have smile therapy. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stand in front of the mirror five minutes every day, and I'm just going to smile at myself. You'll start liking yourself. And when you start liking you, other people will like you. It's amazing. Just walk into a room. Try it tomorrow when you go to work because you haven't smiled on the job in 20 years. Walk in tomorrow with a smile. They'll drug test you. Over-the-head followers of Christ have a voice because they have given their lives for the purpose of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a great theologian, said this, When Christ calls a man or woman, he bids him come and die. Die to self. Paul said, I die daily. Die to self. What are the things you need to die to? Ask yourself that question. Do I need to die to selfishness, self-centeredness, to anger? What do I need to die to? I mean, I've got a list. But I got priorities on my list, and one is I just don't like getting mad, and I don't like being around anger. I lived angry a lot of my life. I don't like being angry. I like being happy, even when you irritate me. I mean, maybe you just change it up gradually, like look at somebody, smile, and say, you're just so dumb. And then eventually you'll just say, you're so then you'll get to your. They finish. I don't want to finish. My trust is totally in the power of God that now carries me. In Zechariah 4, 6, it says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. I'm going to give you simple steps. Follow me. From sacrifice, from surrender to sacrifice to success. From surrender to sacrifice to success. Number one, you will feel pain. When you crucify the flesh, it is painful. I, I used to always have an opinion on everything. And I realized opinions are like noses. Everybody has one. And if you have a bigger nose, maybe your opinion counts more. I don't know how that works. But... The reality is you will feel pain when you want to say something that you know you shouldn't say and you withhold from saying it, and you will wish for like five days that you would have said it, and then it'll go away. Because, man, I, there are, I, I, some of you, like me, have a gift of sarcasm, and, and, man, I have some things I'd like to say sometimes. They're really funny, at least to me. 
and I've learned to shut up, which is not easy for those of you who haven't shut up in a long time. Not me. See, you didn't shut up. You immediately start arguing. Number two, you will cry before you get what you want. If you're not crying, you don't want it bad enough. And I'm not saying real tears, but in your heart, maybe real tears even. But it, that's what the surrender and sacrifice means. I, I'm giving up my right to get my way. It would be, look, I, I've, I've been doing this way long time. And I've talked to couples, married couples. We never fight. Jesus, you must... You're from the lineage of Rahab. You lie like a rug. <laughs> Any couple that says they've never fought or argued, oh, I want to buy tickets for the day it really happens. It will be Tyson and Holyfield. No, oh, everybody disagrees. You're not married to somebody. Look, there is no Gomer and Luann here. And some of y'all young people going, who's Gomer and Luann? Go home, Gomer Pyle. Google it. it it's amazing because we all have this, this self, this flesh, this I want it my way. Which one of the burger joints have it your way? They just feed it. They feed the sin in our lives. Have it your way. I want to go in sometimes and just order stuff that didn't even on the menu. You said I could have it my way. Where is it? I want a steak burger, not a ground beef burger. You should have it my way. Go get me a steak, you liar. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you will lose some friends, some friends. You will. From your journey to surrender, to sacrifice, to success, not everybody will go with you. Matter of fact, the minute you start succeeding and excelling, they will get jealous of you and leave you. And if you're young in here and you're in your 20-somethings, remember this. There will be people that will hold on to you to keep you from going further because they don't have the will to go further. And those are the people you separate yourself from. In my early years of, of being a Christian and trying to pursue God, there was, there was a man that I used to golf with that was world-renowned. It was, it was really cool hanging out with him because everybody knew him. And he liked to golf with me, so I'd go golfing with him. But every time we were on the golf course, he was just negative. He's just always negative, critical of other people, saying things. And it just wore me down. And one day, God spoke to me in my heart. He said, you can't do that anymore and get to where I want to take you. But my heart said, but man, God, when I'm with him, I'm cool. Everybody knows him. And that means I'm cool because they want to hang out with him and I'm hanging out with him. And God said, you can't anymore if you want to get to where I want to take you. That was my last tea time. And I'm not talking this. Okay, so number four, your family may often discourage you. Now listen, before you get mad at your family, listen to me. The best thing that ever my dad ever did for me, and he was awesome, but the best thing he ever did for me, I had a great job, my, my brothers had great jobs, and, and we were lower middle class, and my mom and dad were so thrilled that we were off their meal ticket. And so we were all doing great, they're all happy, and then God messed everything up. One day God speaks to me about preaching the gospel, preaching his word. 
And so he said, I want you to quit your job, and I want you to go back to school, get your theology degree, and, and that's what I want you to do. So I go, and I'm kind of excited because, you know, I mean, it was God. When I sat down and told my dad, I said, Dad, I said, I- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit my job, and I'm going back to college, and I'm going to preach. My dad didn't go, son, God spoke to me last night and said the same thing. We're on the same page. No, he looks at me and he says, well, we're not going to support you. And you could say, what kind of dad is that? He was the right kind of dad. You know why? Because he thrust me in over my head to trust God. If he had said anything else, I don't know that I would have been where I am today. But because he stood on the other side, he threw me into the arms of Jesus, trusting him to provide and get this, I went to a private university, four years, over $100,000 education, and I did not have a debt when I graduated. And it wasn't because they were paying for my education. Stop in the name of love. Anyway, so, but it was because God became my source, not my dad. Some of y'all look into the wrong people. Let me tell you something. You don't need your mama, your daddy, your president, your government. You don't need anybody. God is going to take care of everything that you need. There. People will hate you for no reason. The minute you start telling people, I serve the Lord, uh, well, let's stay out late. No, I got to get up. I got to greet at 930. I got to greet at 11. I got to do something. Why? Are you a Jesus freak? Yeah, whose freak are you? That's what will happen. I'm telling you, people will hate you for no. Number six, you will almost talk yourself out of it hundreds of times. I remember before I was even out of college, midway through, this, this traveling ministry came to me, and it was a, a, big, a big production, and they offered me this position, and we were, they were traveling the world, and I was in my sophomore year, junior year, and it wasn't that they, they were testing me, but God was testing me. See, God told me to go back and get my degree and preach. He didn't tell me to go back two years and and then join a production team and how sexy it was to be traveling Europe. And man, everything in me wanted to cut and run because this was an opportunity like I would never get again. But I didn't do it. You see, sometimes there will be things, I could have talked myself out of this and given a lot of, but God, they're Christians and they're all, we, we, if we're not careful, the thief will come to steal from us the destiny that God put in us and the pathway that God put us on. Number six, you know, number seven, you will doubt yourself thousands of times. I can't do this. This is too hard. I remember taking German tests and all these tests. Uh, I had to take languages and I, I was studying German because that was kind of my history and my mo- mother's side of the family. So I thought, I'm a, I'll, I'm a, I'll go to Germany. So I started studying German, Sprechen Sie Klein Deutsch. And so, and that's about all I remember outside of Eins, zwei, drei. Anyway, So you doubt yourself. You will think you're going crazy at times. Number nine, you will develop strange habits. 
of going to bed early in order to serve God early. And, and, and you'll, you'll forfeit certain things in order to be committed to, to the purpose of God, which is greater than your own purpose. And then number 10, it will all be worth it when it's done. You see, we live in a world that if it's not easy, it's not convenient, it's not at our fingertips, we won't do it. There are certain things in the Bible that transcend all time and all generations that, 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 that will always be required of us that we die daily, that we crucify our flesh, that we surrender all to God. And that when we fall down, we get up. 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 This is our life. When we fall down, we get up. Because some of y'all, now you're wearing knee pads. It doesn't hurt as bad. When we were kids, we didn't wear bicycle helmets. We didn't wear seat belts. If dad put on the brakes, they didn't have locking uh, bucket seats. Those seats fly up. I mean, I'm telling you, we slept on the back, by, by, by the back seat. We rode in the back of pickup trucks going 40. There were 20 of us back there singing, two, four, six, eight, who do we appreciate? <laughs> we survived. And now they got child seats that you could send into orbit and they'd live. You could crash back down in earth and they would survive. Not us, man. We grew up swimming in ponds with snakes and drinking out of water hoses. Riding on tailgates going 45 and 50 miles an hour. This generation only does wheatgrass. We ate Bermuda. That's right. So the question, I'll close with this. At least I'll attempt to find a landing spot. One of my favorite stories of all time. If I were to ask you today, how much of God do you really want? Don't answer quickly. Because when you do, you have just sent a prayer to heaven. You better think before you ask. When I surrendered all to God, this is where it landed me. And I've never regretted it except at times. There's an ancient tale from India about a young man who was seeking God. He went to a wise old sage for help. How can I find God, he asked the old man. The old man took him to a nearby river. Out they waded into the deep water. Soon the water was up just under their chins. Suddenly, the old man seized the young man by the neck and pushed him under the water. He held the young man down until the young man was flailing the water in desperation, trying to get to the surface. Another minute, and he may have well drowned. Up out of the water, the two of them came. The young man was coughing water from his lungs and still gasping for air. Reaching the bank, he asked the man indignantly, <clears throat> What did that have to do with me finding God? The old man asked him quietly, while you were under the water, what did you want more than anything else? The young man thought for a minute and then answered, I wanted air. 
I wanted air more than I wanted anything else. The old man replied, when you want God as much as you wanted air, you'll find him. You see, we treat God like we treat everything else in life. If it ain't easy, I don't want it. If, if I have to give up something, I ain't giving it up. But if you really want to experience this level, the power of God, the level of surrender, the level of sacrifice, it will require something of you. Don't be asking God for his power unless you're willing to surrender a certain capacity of your life to that power, like all of it. I've been bought with a price. I belong to you, God. And some of the things you don't want to do will lead you to the very things you want to do. But if you're not willing to do what you don't want to do, don't ever plan on getting to the place of doing what you want to do. <clears throat> Stay with me, my brother. I always love having you here. I got him planted in the back. That man right back there, let me tell you, you need to meet him after service. That man right there is one of these people I'm talking about. Lost his legs, and he's never, he comes in with a smile every week. I love you, brother. Every week, wheels in here serving God, and it ain't easy him getting here. But he gets up every Sunday, and he shows up, and he worships God, and he loves God, and I love you, sir. Yeah, some of y'all came. You got two good legs and you got a great car. This man wheels in. I, I met him when he still had legs and he ain't mad at me now. I'm telling you, I honor that man because his love for God is so challenging to me. Like, what do I have to complain about? He doesn't complain. He sits back here and shouts at y'all. We're preaching together, brother. We're a team. Amen. Listen, the only reason I'm up here, I can tell you at my age right now, because I'm going to fire it up. The older I get, the more fire I'm going to throw. Said the crow. Go, go. You see, I love all of you. There are seekers here today. You enjoy this. You have fun. I'm glad you do. But I love you too much to let you just dabble in God. There are those of you that some of you are being squeezed. And right now I'm squeezing you. And I hope you feel it because I know there's more in you than you even realize. And there are those of you going to the servant level where I'm not going to just worship anymore. Jesus didn't say be the worshiper of all. He said be the servant of all. And there are people who say I love the word and I love worship. Well, where's the work that goes with those? That's called serving. And you'll never be everything that you want to be without developing a servant's heart. Never will be. We're all called to serve. There are things that we do outside of what our responsibilities here. I'm not just called to this. I'm called to the world. Wherever I go, I'm serving the Lord. Now, I'm not boasting in that. I'm just telling you. If I would rather die than live outside the will of God, it just wouldn't even be worth living to me. And I'm not saying that boastfully. I've just been through all of this stuff in my life and realized there's only one reason worth living, and he's it. This is your moment. 
I want us to pray. Father, we praise you right now for your patience, for your grace, for your mercy, for your love. All this demonstrated to us, God, we thank you for it. And I thank you so much, God, that you love every human being on this earth. Now I pray that all human beings would begin to fall in love with you. That's our prayer. That, Lord, we know that you are our hiding place. You are that place that we come to, Lord, that that no matter what's going on, we know that you're going to handle it. And so, Lord, I pray today for all the people searching, seeking, wondering about not just their eternity, about their life on earth as well. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, you would touch them right now. May they feel your touch right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to pray a prayer. It's called the sinner's prayer. But it's a prayer for all of us that we surrender to God. He said, all who call on my name will be saved. Well, today we're going to pray that prayer to call on his name. And I want to ask all of you watching online, all of you in here, pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. And I declare today... I am surrendered to you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, watching online or in here right now, take your smartphone out, text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. This is a big day for you. It's a big moment. And uh, God loves you so much. And so we just want to hear from you. Just text the word SAVED, 405-500-1310, all right? That helps us to know we can pray with you, pray for you. This is the first step in your journey to your destiny, all right? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.